Dear listeners, we are recording this episode, episode 22 of Nerd Out Consumed, on the same day we hear that the next season of Doctor Who is delayed till 2022 because of COVID-19 and needing to film it at a different schedule. That there is a desperate tie-in to try and make the number of the episodes sound like the year that the next season will come out in. Thank you very much and welcome to episode 22. Hello, we try to make this slick sometimes, but I couldn't really make it slick today. Um, <laughs> my name is Reese Parton, and joining me with that funny little chuckle that sounded like the master from Doctor Who, to be honest, is Sandro Felcher. Hello. Yes, yeah. I am the master of this podcast, and that I always return, despite dying every single episode. I'm always back, and they're like, how did you do it? And I'm like, I'll never tell. <laughs> Or I am the master. And we will obey you? Uh, nah, you don't have to do that. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, nah, nah. Mm -hmm. Well, Doctor Who seems to be a good way to uh, make segues in this episode because <laughs> something about the Doctor uh, the doctor and the Master constantly running into each other and potentially killing the other one and then returning again has been a time-old relationship that's gone on for millennia, probably, through time and space, although it's hard to tell because mm. they travel to different points. So, mm. anyway, that is similar to a question. Oh, that we ask on this show and the main show, but we like to base this entire show on this question. Yes, yes, yes. And that question is, Sandro, Ooh. what have you consumed recently? What should I start with? Let's start with a TV show. Okay. Uh, one that's already been mentioned on this podcast before because you've watched uh, a few episodes of it. I know what this is. <laughs> and I've finally checked out the first three episodes Ooh. of... Doom Patrol. Lovely. It's great, isn't it? Oh, it's it's so it's so good. It's so good. As soon as it started, I went, Oh, I love that Brendan Fraser's just yelling what the fuck at everything. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Diane Guerrero as Jane is oh. like phenomenal. It's like sixty-four different personalities. Mm -hmm. Alan Tudyk just really <laughs> ripping into superhero movies for some reason. It's fantastic. Scenery? What scenery? There's nothing left. <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Oh. I'm like, oh, he's in this. Love that guy. Uh, yes. Jovian Wade as as cyborg, mm -hmm. um, completely hiding his English accent. Oh yeah. In in his American performance, and he's excellent. Then of course April boldly as well as Rita, who I think was in the Titans episode as well, and is is phenomenal. I believe she was. Yes. Yeah. So is Matt Bomber. He is good. Yeah. He's also very good. He's so dry, and he feels like uh, he sh sh should be in like a noir or something yeah. where he's walking around. It's so good. He's typical tragic DC character. <laughs> he is. And the rest of them are quirky, funny. Not to say he isn't. He's got his moments, but his story is very much a DC kind of story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's really good. It's really, really good. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've only seen the first three episodes, so I've gotten the Ridiculous Donkey episode, which is very good. <laughs> yes. And I know a lot of their origins, but that, that, that's about it. Mm -hmm. And not, not too much has been revealed yet, uh, but I'm excited to go on this journey because it's, it's so, it's so silly, but fun. Oh, yeah. I might jump back on board because I'm only an episode ahead of you. So if we can try and catch up, we might do a season retrospective of the first season and then at some point do the second one. Yeah, probably. Um, the first season is quite long, but I'm going to try and watch them both back to back. Although I have heard that the season two finale is a little bit of a letdown because they had to close production yeah. early. Uh, so they weren't able to make that 10th episode to round out the season, um, which, you know. I think we could cut them slack. Yeah, exactly. I think that's something that that is going to happen a lot. A lot of shows are experiencing, yeah. The Flash has already experienced it. Yeah, and you can pretty much excuse all shows for that, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah it, it's something that they're all going to have to deal with if they were trying to film at the start of the year. Mm -hmm. But um, no, I'm excited to see where this goes. I think the only, like, the visuals are really, really... I'm, su I'm surprised how the visuals are good in this, but then in, in Titans... <laughs> A lot of the CG just looks really flat and weird. I don't know why oh. that's the case. Maybe maybe it's because there's less colours in this, With whereas Titans is very much more kind of colourful 
at times. I think also some of the CG is just incredibly weird in this show, whereas Titans tries to be as realistic as possible. That's true. I know it's got demons and things, but at least they look like serious demons, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. I'm a serious demon. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's that's very true. I'm trying to think of any CG. Maybe the blob in that first episode wasn't great. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because it's hard to get the physics of a blob to work properly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But aside from that, I don't know. I think it's really good. Uh, mm. It's really fun. I really like this version of Cyborg as well. Oh, yeah. A very kind of early version of Cyborg who's trying to get into the Justice League, uh, which is which is always great when the dad's like, in three years you'll make Justice League, son. It's <laughs> such a great line. <laughs> yeah that's true but yeah no i'm really enjoying it all it's just good to see brendan fraser again i think it's in the first maybe five minutes of the show you see him smiling and i'm like oh it's brendan fraser smiling yes (laughs) and then never again in the show (laughs) yeah but but it was good while it lasted oh yeah just because yeah like his uh his absence from movies and tv has been very much felt oh, yeah. recently, I think. And yeah, it's good to have him back in this. He he is excellent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm excited to keep going through it. I haven't seen too much, but uh, that is what I have been consuming lately, is Doom Patrol. What about you, though? Oh, well, a book I've been referencing the last few episodes. I finished, <gasps> and it's the first Game of Thrones book. <laughs> what? Yes. Yeah quick catch up if anyone hasn't heard the last few episodes but i have struggled over the years to read the first game of thrones book not because i'm not a fan i love the tv show the characters are great uh, the world of westeros is a great great world i was going to say a great place but that would be a bit twisted to think it's a great place <laughs> uh, but it's wonderfully realized and uh, written and described and realized on the screen as well it was it was just excellently done uh, but the thing is, I, I've kind of just struggled with George R. R. Martin's prose. He's a bit maybe verbose, yeah, in certain areas. Like I don't mind people being ver- verbose, but it's the idea that uh, Sir Jorah Mormont spoke to someone else, and it, it, you know, but the title is a complete title every time somebody talks. Can't you just say Jorah and Drogo, or something like that? <laughs> yeah, and so it just drags it out a little bit. And it kind of gets in the way of what is a very good story. I love it. And in fact, it really picked up in the last hundred pages, which is, and I'll say spoilers, even though it's a really popular show and a lot of what happens in the books happened in the first season of the show, mm. they start to veer off course from the books later seasons, but I'll just say spoilers anyway. But uh, once a certain Ned Stark is decapitated mm. and once a certain Carl Drogo dies, it really the drama has really been elevated and you get really invested. And then I didn't realize that, oh, wait, there was a last page because the last few pages are an index which describe the various houses of Westeros. And I thought I had some more pages to go, but it was the last page and the dragons had been hatched. And uh, it was exciting. And I thought, oh, how are they going to finish it off? Is there going to be a bit of a tease to White Walkers? And then I thought, oh, oh, that's it. I finished it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, it's it's a great book. It's a great series. Something he's really good at describing, actually, is a battle scene. Okay. And it's one that, in the TV show, we uh, we missed in a weird way, um, in that Tywin Lannister, played by the wonderful Charles Dance, mm. and that's something I love about the show, is they did such a good job. I can't help but imagine the people from the show saying these lines. So I've been imagining a conversation between Charles Dance and um, Peter Dinklage. Mm. But um, in the in the TV show, actually... Tyrion wakes up and his father's men have gone to battle mm-hmm. and we see the repercussions of it, but we don't see the battle take place. Whereas in the book, the battle actually takes place. And you don't realize it when you're watching the show. You don't feel like you've been cheated out of anything because I think of the first few seasons, as much as Game of Thrones was daring and gory, they kind of veered away from having the actual battles. Actually, just the first season, because then they had the, in season two, mm. they had the uh, battle of um, King's Landing. Kings. Oh, yes, with the fire and everything. That is probably my favourite battle. That's amazing. That's a good one. But that, that one is still very much shown from the individual's perspective as well, so they can still kind of, like, hide a lot of the more... That's true. I guess, epic elements. Because I think... How much was the show costing back then? It was pretty cheap. Maybe, like, a million an episode. I don't know. Yeah, and, and then it became 
really popular, so they're like, yeah, we'll give you more money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but compared to season eight, you're right. You get wide shots in season eight. Like the um, when you turn the light, the brightness level up in your TV, you can see um, mm. <laughs> the, the soldiers in episode three. You can see a whole line of all the people and the Dothraki charge on their horses towards the yeah. the whites as they come. And oh, that's a that's an intense episode. Mm. But yeah, we get a bit more of the battle from season one in the book, and it was quite interesting. And it it actually gave you a bit of an insight into Tyrion's character a little bit more. Okay, and that was good, and it it was gripping. Like a whole chapter went by. Compared to it being a bit of a struggle to read, I was really invested. So uh, good job, George. I'm not always going to criticize you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I finally finished A Game of Thrones, the first book in in the story of, no, the song of An Ice and Fire. I got there in the end. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Are you going to go straight on to Clash of Kings? I was thinking about it, but I did actually stop halfway through something else that I'll mention Mm. uh, to read this. So um, I've jumped back on board with a a different book which i'll get to in a second nice 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 but i feel like i'll probably finish that off and then get into a clash of kings because i am invested in the books Mm -hmm. for the first time really excellent yeah (laughs) like i was reading them out of curiosity and slightly obligation because there's this snobbery as with everything there's a snobbery if you've read the books or not (laughs) <laughs> among Game of Thrones yeah. fans and with Doctor Who it's like oh you haven't seen the classic series but <laughs> well you're not a Doctor Who fan and uh with Game of Thrones not always but people said what you haven't read the books jeez <laughs> mm. yeah that's true but uh now I'm reading it because I'm invested I am a TV fan and a book reader of Game of Thrones excellent yeah so what about you what else have you consumed uh, I mean, we talked about it on the last episode of No Doubt, but I am reading Dune, and I feel like I'm in the same boat as you are <laughs> with uh, Game of Thrones mm-hmm. earlier on, because, oh, it's rough. It's so dry, <laughs> pun intended. Badum tish. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here like, I'm just sitting here like, I, I don't care about half of this. Mm. Like, the, like the there's the, the whole, like, noble family thing, and I'm just like, I don't... I don't care about you, the father, and his. Like, he's talking to the the viceroy of the Space Federation of Chome, whatever the fuck it's called. I'm just, just sitting here like, come on, like, it's an hour's long chapter of nothing. Just <laughs> get back to the good story. <laughs> like, it's so, it's so rough, but I do really want to get through it. Anything in, uh, in science fiction, that features a viceroy is going to be tedious. Yeah. Because uh, that was uh, Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and you mentioned it earlier, but stuff like a glossary in a book always kind of turns me off, because I'm yeah. thinking, like... Shouldn't you just explain that in the book? Yeah, just explain it. Like, in the opening page, the first maybe, like, three paragraphs are all about, I've got this da device, and I'm going to play <laughs> with... The cry schlinger, and I'm a <laughs> secret member of the Benny Watsits. I am there, and I'm just like, explain what it is. In the first chapter, I've gone to the glossary like 10 times. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get it's the 60s, yeah. and, you know, like, sci-fi was way more niche back then, so they could do stuff like this and get away with it, mm. but, oh, I'm just very excited <laughs> for the movie. <laughs> Well, on that note, actually, that is on my list, because I've got a pretty short list of things I've consumed this week. Mm. I watched the trailer. Yes. And honestly, I've not ever heard a good reaction to Dune. Like, there are some <laughs> people who've had the same reaction as you to the book. Some people liked the movie and the miniseries, mainly for the cast, because as far as I'm aware, it's just a really, I was going to say rich, but maybe dense source material in that it's got a lot in there. Yeah. But people don't necessarily enjoy it even if they're fans it's it's like lord of the rings there's a lot in there Uh, but it's pretty much exactly what you expect it to be because it set the basis for a lot of stuff that came afterwards Mm -hmm. so it's the sort of like reluctant uh messiah storyline for the main character and then the rest is just like a lot of not space battles but like ground warfare the sort of stuff that you would probably see in like game of thrones except Mm. i don't think it's as interesting i don't know (laughs) i think it might be though with the new movie yeah because uh what's the director again he did um 
Dennis Villeneuve. Yes, he did um, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. And I loved that. And controversially, I'm sure, I think it's much better than the original Blade Runner. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That being said, I've only ever seen the theatrical cut. Oh, yeah. Although, you and I have discussed this before, I've got a bitterness to multiple cuts of films, which is partly why I've always been slightly against the Snyder Cut, even though now that I've seen the trailer, I'm actually really keen to see it. But I'm just like, no, release the film. It's got to be good or it's got to be bad. Just one version of the film. (laughs) But that aside, I really liked the visuals of uh, Blade Runner 2049 and... He's got a, a way of filming something with a huge scale to it, yep. which feels like a pun for this as well, but I'll get to that. Um, <laughs> this has got amazing scale to it. The landscapes look amazing. I'm going to be honest, and this is going to sound a bit rude, but it's one of my own hang-ups. I've not seen much with, um, how do you say his name on the podcast? Oh, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen much with him in it. But all I know is that I hadn't heard of him and then he was in three things at once. And whenever that happens, I'm a bit judgmental of an actor. I'm like, why should I bother? Like, he's just going to be overhyped and we're never going to hear from him again or them because it could be a, a woman that it's happening to. But the thing is, that's just my own personal hang up. I'm sure he's really good. And there's a reason why he got hired for three things at once because he was that talented at, at auditions, etc. This could be the film that I see, and then suddenly I go, God, I've got to see more of his work. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him in a few things. I saw him in, um, I think it was The King on Netflix last ah, year. Yeah. He was pretty good in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was okay in Little Women. Not the standout performance, but you know, he was good enough in that, I think, to yeah. to stand up to the rest of the cast to be on that same level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is it's an interesting role because it's, a very, I think, understated performance. From what I can tell in the book, uh, the, the role of Paul, which he is playing, in yep. a world of crazy sci-fi names, there's Paul. Well, it's a <laughs> Bible name. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, that's the thing, yeah. He's the he's the Dune Messiah. Um, yeah, it seems like a very understated performance from what I can tell, but this is also the only the the, the first half of the book is the movie. Oh. It, it's going to be planned out as, yeah, as two movies. Uh, so. Please stick to two. Please stick to two. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, we'll see. I feel like they'll do two, and then, then they might try and adapt the sequels, but no one likes the sequel books, so <laughs> I don't know if they will, but they might. Well, I'm just, I'm really interested because the cast is phenomenal. Mm. There's Timothy Chalamet <laughs> and um, Oscar Isaac. Yes. Jason Momoa. He's playing a character called Duncan Idaho. And whenever he oh. shows up in the book and says something, I just start laughing because <laughs> his name is Duncan Idaho. <laughs> it sounds like, um, and this is gonna, only going to make sense to a very niche group of people, but it sounds like um, in the latest episode of Staggering Stories when they reviewed... Um, Hawk the Slayer, and every time he appeared in the movie, there was a sound effect, apparently. Mm. So I'm, I'm just going to imagine that now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, who else is there? There's Josh Brolin. Yeah. Um, uh, Stellan Skarsgård oh, as well, yeah. which I'm keen for. Um, he's playing the bad guy. The bad guy? Which is very cool. Is there only one bad guy? Oh, uh, I think, uh, what's his name from Ant-Man is also playing a bad guy. David Demaustian? Oh, I love him. Yeah. He's amazing. He's good. He's good. Yeah. Oh, heavier Bardem's in this. What? Oh. <laughs> Ooh. I'm even more convinced this is going to be great. Zendaya's in it, obviously. I just yep. remembered. Oh, Dave Bautista. How did we forget about Dave mm. Bautista? No, I'm, I'm getting more and more keen for this because I wasn't, based on everyone else's reaction about anything else to do with Dune, they're just kind of going, yeah, it's a classic and it, it kind of told a lot of the cliches before they were cliches, so to speak. If that makes sense. Kind of like um, mm. John Carter from Mars. Yeah, yeah. But it's not that great is what people have been saying. So I was I couldn't really gauge the opinion of how they felt about a new one coming out. But then the trailer came out. And we're all just kind of like, yeah, that looks great. <laughs> yeah. Visually, at least it looks great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. Excited, though. Mm. I mean, look, anything that director does, I'm on board for. So yeah, me too. I was going to see this anyway. And um, yeah, I'll see how much further I get into the book. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. That being said, I have only seen Blade Runner 2049, so I do want to check out Arrival next. Oh, yeah. Because I've heard a lot about that. It's one of those ones where I kept saying, oh, yeah, I'll check that out. And then I realized, wait, it's been 
three years now since it came out. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> okay, I'll check it out one day still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Arrival and Prisoners with Jackman and oh, yeah. Gyllenhaal. Mm. Those two are amazing. His earlier stuff is pretty good as well, but like those are the ones where he had like some budget behind it and just just hit it out of the park. The one with uh, Emily Blunt and Josh Brolin and Javier Bardem. Sicario, is that what it's called? Oh, yeah, he did direct that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sicario. Sicario, that's a... Yeah, I vaguely remembered it. Because um, <laughs> I was looking it up the uh, other day when the trailer came out, and I thought, oh, I want to check out more of his stuff. And uh, mm. Blade Runner's on Netflix, and so is that. Um, I was hoping Arrival would be on there, but it's not, so I'll uh, see that okay. some other time. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to try and catch up on his other work before seeing this. Yeah, Sicario's pretty good. I didn't like it as much as uh, his other stuff, but it is a pretty solid thriller. I really like the sequel as well, which focuses almost entirely on Del Toro's character. Oh. Um, the sequel was cool. He's not involved, but um, the uh, Dennis, I mean. But, uh, yeah, it's good. Oh, sorry, it wasn't Javier Bardem. It was Del Toro, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think Javier might be in it. I don't know. No, he's not. <laughs> but, yeah, there we go. Keen to see that. I'm keen to see how the book goes. See if you'll uh, be able to put up with the uh, <laughs> the writing and the story. I mean, the story is probably great, but it's it's all right. Yeah, it's probably a tedious. Uh... Yeah. Oh, the dialogue is so unnatural as well. They'll say something, and then a character will be like, "Have you visited the spring?" And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> Like a character will be like, and that's how I found the Christ knife inside of the Wagger Bosham. And then a character is like, have you been to a spring? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, how's your sex life? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's exactly that. It's exactly that. Oh dear. Anyway, what's something that you've been consuming? Alrighty, well the only other thing on my list is uh, the book I went back to after finishing Game of Thrones is Star Wars Aftermath by Chuck Wendig. Um, It's a good book. It's a fun read. Kind of does the same thing, uh, the structure that Game of Thrones follows in that it jumps from character to character almost per chapter. Okay. Which is interesting. So they've got different people in different locations and it's almost a chapter about each character or per character, but sometimes halfway through the chapter, it'll jump to the other perspective. The only problem is... And it's more of a problem with the sequel trilogy than it is this book, because this book was Uh, a lead-up to the sequel trilogy. Ah, okay. It feels like some ideas in this book probably weren't picked up on in the sequel trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) Like most ideas in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. I really like the sequel trilogy. I like the performers. I like the uh, drama. I like the, the visuals and... Like, when I watch it in the moment, it feels good, but when you look at it all together, it pretty much falls apart. Yeah, there's no there's no through line. <laughs> the strongest film out of all of them is The Last Jedi. Regardless of what you think about it, it had a mission. It had a purpose. It had a story. Ryan Johnson had a story he wanted to tell, and he told it in that film. It probably ruined The Rise of Skywalker <laughs> because of that. I mean, I say ruined. I still like The Rise of Skywalker. I think it's the weakest of the three. But I like it. Yeah, yeah I think it's... Uh, yeah, I'd say it's the weakest final entry into a, a Star Wars trilogy. It's a good way to put it. Out of all three, I think it's... Yeah, not particularly great. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. Because I don't, I don't hate it. No. I know a lot of people do. I kind of hate who Rey ended up being, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, stuff came out to, uh, Oh yeah. last week about how she was meant to be a Kenobi <laughs> this whole time. Well, she she could have been anything. Yes, <laughs> that, yes. That's the problem. I think I said it in our end of year review last year, where we looked back at the best movies of the year. I just felt like it was written by Tumblr fans. Mm. <laughs> They're like, oh, we haven't made up our mind yet. What's the most popular option? Or what's the most, this might not be the most popular, but at least it will cause a stir among the fans. I don't know. It's just, <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Who did she... Did they reveal who she was related to in Colin Trevorrow's original script? I don't think they did. No. I think it was left in the air then. I mean, the thing that works is I don't think she was ever going to be a nobody. Yeah. I think what Kylo Ren was doing was just trying to break her spirits. Mm. And in the long run, they were a nobody because they died, whereas compared to him and compared to the power that she could have, uh, they are nobodies. 
Yeah. I think it actually works. The explanation works. It just wasn't the best explanation that there weren't nobodies. Her real progenitor is <laughs> mm. so-and-so. That works. But um, <laughs> anyway, that's a completely different discussion. And maybe maybe we could do that one day, but maybe the scars are a yeah. little too fresh. <laughs> I kind of want to do a, a looking back on the sequel tr- trilogy yeah. episode, but then I'm also like, oh, I don't want to rewatch them all again. Oh, Wow. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of fandoms. That's my problem. Because I don't mind the yeah. movies, but as soon as you say, God, because I really do like The Last Jedi. Mm. That's my thing. I say, God, it's so good. It's nuanced. It's got different levels to it. I wouldn't have killed Luke, but hey, they killed Luke. I don't mind it in the end because there's a rationale behind it. And it makes sense mm. in the long run. But you say that and somebody says, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, just quickly looked it up in the original script for episode nine before they fired Trevorrow. Uh, Ray was not related to anyone. They were just like, yep, she was ah. the child of nobodies and Kylo Ren killed her parents. Huh. So that was the original script. But granted, like the original, original script, it would have gone through changes anyway if yeah. Trevorrow stayed on board and they probably would have made her I'm sure. be related to someone. But yeah, that was the original idea. I mean, they probably would have had to rework it because by the time that was written, I'm sure um, Carrie Fisher was still alive. Yes, that is that is also true. That's a huge tangent because this book is set long before that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. What's aftermath like? <laughs> aftermath is uh, quite an interesting one. It's almost as uh, philosophical as the Last Jedi in that it brings up the point of between the Jedi and the Sith in the Last Jedi. There's this cycle that goes on. It's almost like Hydra. You cut off the head of one, two more rise up, then you have to take them mm. down. Blah 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 blah. It's been happening for years in the Star Wars universe. And that's a point that Ryan Johnson was making. Mm -hmm. And that's a point that Luke was making within the fiction. And there's a character in this, which is kind of making that about how um, basically the long and short of it is a planet has been chosen by the remnants of the empire for them to gather and try and either plan a way to gather their forces and take back control of the galaxy from the rebels Mm. or the new Republic. And that's something actually I find a little bit annoying because this was in the lead up to the rise of not the Rise of Skywalker, The Force Awakens yep. and the, the new films, there was a lot of pushing it down your throat that, so they're no longer the rebels, they're the new Republic. You get it? You get it? <laughs> okay, good. Um, <laughs> yes. And so a lot of the times characters will be talking and they'll say, these damned rebels, sorry, the new Republic, and they'll be saying it condescendingly, but it's like, okay, we've read this about five times now, it's okay. But I'm not blaming Chuck Wendig for it. I reckon there was a note from on high. Mm-hmm. But basically what's happening is this planet has been chosen for almost a senate of the uh, the empire to gather and try and figure out who's in charge. One person's already calling themselves the Grand Moff. Oh, okay. As in a, a, the new leader. There's Admiral Sloan, who I've mentioned previously, is actually referenced in the Star Wars Battlefront Two campaign. Sloan gives uh, Inferno Squad some ships, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that was a nice little reference to have... Reading the book and playing the game at about the same time, it was uh, nice to pick up on that. Mm. And basically, some of the Empire want to attack. Some of them want to retreat a bit and build up their forces. And uh, another one says, maybe we should try and find somebody with the gifts of the dark side. Because uh, otherwise, if we don't, we won't be powerful enough to hold them back forever. You know, the the, the rebellion forever. So there was an interesting discussion in the most recent chapter, and if, I feel like that's the direction the story's going. In that there's going to, it's always been a cyclical thing within Star Wars, and um, maybe that's where the birth of the uh, First Order. Yeah, is it First Order? Yeah, the First Order will come from. Yeah, yeah. So that it's quite interesting. I'm about halfway through. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I'm reading uh, some stuff right now about it, um, about various characters that show up and stuff, and mm. it seems like it's. It's a very cool series I'm going to have to check out. It looks really fun. Yeah, it's got Admiral Akbar in it. And there was a <laughs> there was a little reference that I couldn't help but chuckle at. Like, I literally <laughs> let out a laugh, which was Admiral Akbar <laughs> was concerned. He needed time to think, but if he uh, didn't act now, he might lose more people. But if he acts too soon, they might fall into another Imperial trap. <laughs> <laughs> it was just because it was Akbar thinking about it that I laughed. <laughs> That's very good. 
<laughs> nice, nice. Um, I couldn't help but think that was deliberate. <laughs> mm. Oh, Chewbacca's son Lumperoo from the holiday special shows up. They made Lumperoo canon. I'm going to think you're telling the truth because I haven't gotten to that yet, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, people theorize they'd turn up in Solo from the trailers. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, Lumperoo is just one of my favorite things in Star Wars. I can't tell if that's sarcastic or not. <laughs> it is, but then I'm also just very happy that there's a character called Lumperoo. Lumperoo. That's, that's Chewbacca's son. This exists out there in this world. Let me guess, the abbrevi- abbreviation of it is Lumpy. <laughs> Lumpy, exactly. I <laughs> uh, love it. But yeah, uh, so that's uh, I'm halfway through that, and it's the first in a trilogy, and I think they're all by Chuck Wendig, which I like, because he's becoming one of my favorite writers. He's quite good. Mm. So I will give you some more reports the further in I get, and then I'll try and get my hands on the other two books in the trilogy. Excellent. Yeah. Is there anything else you've consumed? Um, nothing. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One second. Oh. You know what? I may have consumed something that might work for a return segment <gasps> that we haven't done in a while. Oh, feedback. Oh, wait, no, we haven't ever done that. Oh, no, we haven't ever actually done <laughs> feedback. No, no, no. Uh, this is more uh, more movie-based uh-huh. than feedback. Okay, hang on. Here we go. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you Sandro's completely normal movie. <laughs> Was that it? No, that's not it. Oh, sorry, I'm out of practice. That's not it at all. No, 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 no. It's... Uh, the opposite but there's a word and i'm not uh, it's on the tip of my tongue um zany no zany uh isn't that a billy eilish song (laughs) i think it is actually (laughs) i believe what we're looking for sandro is weird movies with sandro yes and this week's weird movie is actually a crossover with oldie but a goodie (laughs) because it came out in 1984 uh, it, it was an alternate option uh, two weeks ago. Do you want to explain that for people who might not know? Oh, yeah, that's the podcast. This is the other podcast I do where uh, we're reviewing movies from the year 1984 in the order that they came out in. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll give a plug now. Why not? The episode out right now is on Armadeus. Oh, there uh, we go. Because we're getting into the Oscar season with all the, the mm. big award contenders are all kind of coming out at once. So uh, check that out if you want. Link in the description. And in... In terms of an alternate choice, what does that mean? That's uh, the movies that we refused to do full episodes <laughs> on and instead went for other choices for films that came out mm. during that week, which is one of these ones. Uh, although I think this episode would have... I think this movie would have worked very well on that <laughs> because it's truly one of the most absurd films I think I've ever seen. Wow. So, it's called Nothing Lasts Forever. It is directed by... Tom Schiller, I think he wrote it as well. He was a long-term writer on uh, Saturday Night Live during the late 70s, early 80s. I think he was around for a while. He directed a lot of their uh, their video skits at the time as mm-hmm. well, and, and this is the only movie that he has ever directed. Uh, it's produced by Lorne Michaels as well, so <laughs> it is technically an SNL movie. It also <laughs> stars... In minor roles, some SNL uh, famous faces at the time, like Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, they show up in parts. The main actor is Zach Galligan, who is the kid from Gremlins and Gremlins 2. And it was never released. Oh. The movie was never released. It was meant to come out in September of 1984, but it was pulled from the schedule uh, for no particular reason, I think, maybe... <laughs> so nobody cancelled it then? Well, yeah, that's the thing. I'm not entirely sure why it was pulled, because it's an MGM movie, mm-hmm. and, like, MGM had a lot of issues, I think, later on in the 80s, mm-hmm. um, and they they d- d- delayed a lot of movies because of that, but I don't think that was happening during 84, but I could be wrong. It kind of makes sense, though, why they would pull it, because it is very strange. So it's in the style of, like, a black-and-white movie from the the 20s or, like, the 40s, hmm. uh, except it's also super absurd. Nothing makes sense. It's 
a little rude in parts, a little bit rude. And so I think a lot of audiences would have seen this and just not not known what to make of it. I think it works quite well now, Hmm. knowing that comedy has kind of moved to a space where something like this is not normalized, but the style of parody, I think, is more strong now. And this is very much a parody of sorts. Um, But yes, it was never released. And you might be asking, well, how did you watch it? Because uh, once, I think once over in the UK, it was broadcasted on television. And so a bunch of people recorded it on their VHSs. And those VHS recordings are available on the internet. Nice. So this is the most bootleg movie you've ever been able to acquire. (laughs) Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Like, it's impossible to find. Uh, So I think this may be... Yeah, the the rarest film that I've ever seen. It's probably another good reason not to have reviewed it on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, the plot is... Uh, <laughs> Zach... <laughs> it's so silly. <laughs> Zach Galligan's character, he really wants to be an artist. Whether it's a painter, or a musician, or an actor. He just really wants to make art. Mate, they're very different professions, all of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, he doesn't care. He's like, I want to be an artist. So, so he he goes back home to New York City. I have dreams, sir. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it is that sort of character, though, and that is like why I think the first maybe half hour up until when Dan Aykroyd t- turns up, yeah. the first half hour is pretty much exactly what you would expect to see in a weird sci-fi from the 40s it's pretty much it's it's pretty much spot on in fact i think they even used a lot of stock footage that movie in the that that like movies in the 40s used as like <laughs> the shots of the city and yeah. stuff like that um so yeah the first half hour is is him returning to new york city which for some reason is suffering a a bus driver strike and therefore it, the, the the whole city's basically turned into like an almost like post-apocalyptic uh, oh, scape man. of of depression <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> so weird. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, but it's funny. Um, so he's so he's trying to become an artist, and eventually, uh, and this is where we'll start getting it, getting into spoilers. But mm. the film is hard to find. That you know you might not be able to find it anywhere. And it might, might be on YouTube. I don't know. But uh, eventually. He he is uh, taken underneath the city. A bunch of people are like, "Oh, we've seen that you really want to be an artist. So here, come with us on a journey underneath New York City, where he goes and he finds this mysterious collection of watchers who watch the world and and plan stuff out." Oh, watchers, not like time devices. <laughs> No, exactly, exactly. Some of the greatest historical figures who are artists have come from this underground society. Oh. And so he's like, I want to join, I want to join. And they're like, you can join. You can become the greatest artist of our time. All you have to do is travel to the moon and kiss someone. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he gets in a bus. And goes to bus the moon. And goes to the moon. Bill Murray's in the bus. <laughs> Bill Murray's like... Was it the magic school bus? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a b- bus full of old people. Full of quite wealthy old people. And he's like, what am I doing? <laughs> Bill Murray's there. And Bill Murray's like, you're young. You're up to mischief, young kid. When we get to the moon, you'd better not cause any trouble. You better not go kissing people, <laughs> you weird young kid. Don't go to the moon. Not even Dr. Manhattan, who's up there. <laughs> yeah. So, so they land on the moon, and turns out the moon is like some sort of consumer testing ground, because <laughs> they let all the elderly people into a shop and see what they buy, and then they use that research to, <laughs> to, to upgrade the shops down on Earth. I don't know. Uh, but he finds <laughs> this person, he kisses her, and then, and then the world's okay. Uh, and he's the greatest artist of our time. <laughs> That's the movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's very strange. It's ridiculous. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's so silly. But 
I really liked it because it's it's so strange, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would have like thought this was a good idea. I don't know why anyone <laughs> thought this movie would have made money, especially in the eighties. Like the eighties were a time of of the very by the books movies. I mean, some of the best movies in the eighties are slightly subverting stuff that you would see in the 70s that's the majority of great 80s movies is you got the horrors which are basically just slashes from the 70s but slightly improved to be a little bit more kind of like dreamy Mm -hmm. uh the dramas of the time are westerns without the west stuff like once upon a time in america that is very much what the 80s were so for this very original very weird sci-fi comedy that's in the style of a film from the 40s that stars Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and features a bus that goes to the moon. Like, you're like, why would... I don't know why they thought this would work. Uh, So, yeah, it's just one of those, like, weird movies where you hear of it and you go, certainly that cannot exist. It's impossible to find. There's no way this movie actually exists. Like, the Wikipedia page is just going to be a joke, right? And then you watch it and you're like, no, nope, this is real. <laughs> and it's very strange. Wow. So, yeah. Do you have any questions about about the movie? Oof. I don't know. There's a lot to digest there. <laughs> um. <laughs> it costs $3 million as well, by the way. I'm amazed I could afford a flying bus. That's amazing. Um. Yeah. Oh, dear. Just down the drain. So the moon was a product testing, consumer testing place <laughs> yeah. for old people specifically, or was it just retirees day going out? Pretty much just retirees, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And they got him drunk on the bus on the way there as well. <laughs> Living it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's... I think it's trying to say something. Or maybe it's trying to satirize films that try to say something. Yeah. I'm not sure. Do you feel like it might have been a first draft, so to speak? A first edit? <laughs> uh, you know what? Potentially. I mean, I think... I, I don't know if Tom Schiller owns the rights to the movie or not, but I know that he does have a copy that he every now and then takes to like a film festival or something to show people. Mm-hmm. So maybe... The version that was shown on TV is is like an early cut. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, but considering that Bill Murray is in a lot of those scenes, it feels like you'd want to. I don't know. Like Bill Murray isn't really one to do like reshoots, so I don't know if. Yeah, I'm not not 100 certain on it. Yeah, on that. It sounds like a weird one. <laughs> it's very weird. I would probably give it one thumb up because I really enjoyed it, but it's hard to recommend because it's mm. very hard to find. I'm amazed I managed to find a copy of this. I think the copy I found has already been like removed because it was on like Daily Motion or something. <laughs> oh, I feel like one day it might get a release because there is definitely the audience who want to see it, and I know that like Ackroyd and Murray and Galligan have all said that if it does get released they'll do like, they'll do like a commentary or something for oh, it. Really? like they'll do like a reunion thing so what's the director's name again his second name particularly uh tom schiller so shall we do the release the schiller cut release the schiller cut exactly <laughs> yes definitely Excellent. oh dear i've got something else actually oh yeah what have you got it's something i consumed yesterday and it's not very long but Ryan Reynolds managed to coax somebody out of retirement to do an ad for a new mobile phone service. Yeah, I saw this. Do you know who I'm referring to? I do. Oh, I'm so glad that this happened. Yes, I can't even remember what. I think it's a Canadian mobile phone service. Mint Mobile, or mobile as they'd say. He got Rick Moranis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, what am I doing here? Oh, just, I'm a big fan. That's all. Shouldn't I be saying something to sell it? Oh, no, we, we didn't write a script. I just wanted you to come along and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then he does the raised eyebrows, confused look, and then walks off. Yeah. Thanks, Rick Moranis. <laughs> so good, so good. I hope that's a tease for the fact that they've got him back for a movie or something. <laughs> Maybe? Ease him back into it with an ad, and then... <laughs> mm. He was in, um... He showed up in something. I think it was on Disney+. Plus. He did, like, an interview. <gasps> Really? On a documentary? Oh. Yeah, I I don't know what. I think Jen saw it. I'll have to ask her. But yeah, uh, like he's very, very slowly appearing in things again. <laughs> so I don't know. He might be in... 
Ooh, imagine if he like shows up like Mandalorian season three or something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just Rick Moran. It's <laughs> Darth Helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Or um it just does a voice that you're like, wait, is that No. <laughs> that can't be him. Yeah. Uh but you can tell I'm actually really scraping the barrel <laughs> this time around because uh I talked about a trailer and then an ad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but some good uh, stuff i'm actually again going back to june i'm really keen yeah yeah uh i think that might be the episode though which means it's time for hey we talked about what we've <laughs> watched now what do we want to watch or what do we want to read let's find out reese what have you got <laughs> Okay, yes. Um, we're getting closer to the actual date that that David Tennant show is going to come out. I believe it's in oh, nice. a few more days. So I, I'm going to enjoy watching um, David Tennant be a, um, a mass murderer. Mm-hmm. The kind, kindly murderer or the kind murderer, they called him, or kind killer, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, I think this is what they called episode. the character he's playing. So I'm keen to see that. Uh, I'll probably try and jump on the Doom Patrol Mm-hmm. train again and see some more of that mm-hmm. and i'll keep reading aftermath nice excellent excellent and what are you looking forward to seeing that you haven't seen yet but you want to see and you haven't talked about uh, yet? <laughs> i think i might watch miss america which was a, a mini series um with kate blanchett that came out a little while Ooh. ago i think rose brine's in it as well uh it's it's during the equal rights amendment uh, in the seventies, and I think oh, okay. Kate Blanchett plays a a a conservative character who is quite opposed to it. Because that makes sense. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to, uh, to be that, to be opposed to it. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a fun role for mm. Kate Blanchett, so I think I might check that out. I think it's only like eight episodes. Nice. So, um, oh, your favorite? I might give that a watch. <laughs> yeah, I like those those short little miniseries. Actually, that made me laugh while editing it. Um, I recommended uh, The Stranger to you. And I said, it's only eight episodes. You'll love it. And you went, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, the second season of Criminal came out. And Kit Harrington's in the second season. Ooh. So I think I might, might try and catch up on that. I didn't watch it last year, but um, it looks good. It's all set in like an interrogation room, I think. Yeah. I don't know too much about that show. Was that the other David Tennant show with the... Yeah, yeah, he's in the episode. I think Haley Atwell was in one in the first season as well. I adore her. Uh, so yeah, very cool. And then that Tom Holland Netflix movie's out as well. Um, so I'll, I want to give give that a watch before next week. Oh, I might do that. Uh, the devil all the devil the all time the devil all the time. The font yes. is in <laughs> different shapes yeah. and it's all over the screen and I don't know. Oh, that has got an amazing cast. Yes. Uh, it's got Sebastian Stan in it, oh. and it was going to have Chris Evans in it, but he was too busy, so he said, why don't you get Sebastian Stan? <laughs> That's good. It's got Robert oh, yeah, Pattinson. Robert Pattinson's yep. in it. Yeah, Bill yeah, Skarsgård. Yeah. Oh, Bill Skarsgård, the weird man himself. He's so scary, <laughs> but also so nice. I know, he's wonderful, but <laughs> don't cross him. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's Douglas Hodge. So many people. This does look really good. Yeah, who's the director? Have I seen anything the director's done? I haven't. No, I haven't. Uh, but the cast is good. Oh, yeah. I've seen the trailer for it. Well, actually, I saw people react to the trailer. And mm. Robert Pattinson's Southern American voice is amazing. Okay. Like, his accent is excellent. All right. All right. Nice. That's good. That's good. By the way, that's another reason why Robert Pattinson is a great actor and he would do brilliantly in The Batman. Any naysayers... Watch his other stuff. Don't just keep on yeah. bringing up Twilight. Watch The Lighthouse. Watch Good Time. Watch uh, High Life from last year. That film has a lot of semen in it, but it's also <laughs> very good. It's set on a boat, isn't it? It's a pun. Uh, no, High Life is is set in space. <laughs> and they've got a... Yeah, that was... We've got to repopulate the watched... planet. <laughs> yeah, I watched that. I think it was at a uh, film festival or it came out on VAD. How many semen would you give it out of five? <laughs> Probably like four and a half. Okay. Good. Quite high. It's <laughs> quite high for the high life. <laughs> Ooh, it is directed by a woman too. There we go. That's pretty cool. A sci-fi horror mystery thriller adventure drama directed by a woman. 
Yeah, she's she's in a she's in a mid seventies, and this oh is wow, the first ever English movie as well. It's it's a phenomenal effort. Good on it, excellent. Because you know, you think of um, sci-fi needing like a young <laughs> take to it, young high energy sort of thing, but good on her. Yeah, and actually, on that note, I don't mean to end it on a downer, but uh, speaking of incredibly creative elderly women, we lost Dame Diana Rigg today. Mm. And uh, we'd just like to say rest in peace and thank you for your incredible work. Definitely. Speaking again of Game of Thrones and Doctor Who and uh, not quite the Avengers, not the same Avengers, not Marvel's The Avengers, but, no, but... the uh, TV show that Sandro doesn't like. <laughs> it's all right. Nah, I, I don't know. I saw it when I was like six and went, I don't like this. That's fair so, enough. I should go back to it, um, especially in her memory, because she was phenomenal. Oh, yes. In, in everything. Yeah. yeah. So on that slightly somber note, hopefully not too upsetting and too sad, uh, I would like to say that th- that is the end of episode 22 of Nerd Out Consumed. If you have uh, also consumed anything that we've talked about today and would like to discuss it and give us your two pence or tuppence please mm. do send it to our email address which is feedback.nerdout at gmail.com or you can contact us personally via our instagram accounts links to which are in the description of the episode yes and you can you can also talk about things that you've consumed it doesn't have to be what we've consumed um and you can leave recommendations too anything you think we might like weird mm. movies usually go towards sandro um, <laughs> sci-fi stuff usually comes usually. towards me. Yeah, usually, usually, usually. I mean, I like the Star Wars prequels. They're pretty weird. They are very weird. And pretty not great, <laughs> but no, I still no. like them. Um, <laughs> yeah. So any sorts of things like that, send them in. We would love to hear from you. I might have joked earlier about you know we've never done feedback before on this show, but we haven't. It'd be fun to be the first, wouldn't it, guys? <laughs> Ooh. So, uh, yes, please do send something in. You can follow us on the social medias with the links in the description. And uh, until next time, I am Reese Parton saying farewell. I am Sandro saying farewell as well. And God help me finding some music to wrap up the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Probably Game of Thrones, something like that. Wow. Oh, it's Inception. <laughs> it is. It's any trailer after Inception too. <laughs> Wow, it's good. I like that trailer and that movie. The Inception one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hope I like the Dune. The Dune. I mean, I hope I like the movie because I quite like the trailer. Was there a bois when the worm turned up? There should have been. I'm not sure, but there was when the logos were there. Well, at least it was a lot of low notes. Mm. Low notes for the logos. <laughs> I see what you did there. Let's just keep dragging this out so that I can uh, play some low notes underneath. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, see ya. <laughs> Bye. Aww.